Welcome back to Mishpachas, take two, where you get to meet the personalities, the people we've profiled in the magazine, sit down with them in real life and invite them into your living rooms. Today's guest, Elchanan Schwartz, is a special pleasure for me. When you're writing a profile on somebody, so the, the gimmick, if you're a writer, you're always trying to say, you see this, we see something else. I'm going to tell you the story that maybe you don't see. There's always a little bit of mystique, an element of mystery in what we're trying to do. Elchanan Schwartz is one of the more, besides being a very fun profile, I always knew him as just a fun person. Funny guy, you see him in a room, everybody's always around him and laughing. And when we did the profile a number of years ago, we got to hear about a, a very deep and a very insightful and a very real part of him that maybe you don't see right away if you just know him from his sense of humor, from his role as five-ish on the Uber videos. And the feedback to the article was overwhelming in the sense that people understood that, that things are nuanced, things are not always black and white exactly as you see them. Uh Schwartz was a poster boy for that, so it's a pleasure to sit with you. Nuance, love nuance. Um, yeah. and, and you know it's true. You know you're a funny guy, right? I don't know. I you know that people laugh when they see you and there's expectations. I have a big following of, from ages like five to nine. That's very know, special. That, that's, that's, very so that's, nice. that's big. How old are your oldest I kids? I do a lot of, uh, my oldest is 11. So, boy. We're getting at the, we're getting close. He's a boy, my three boys, uh, and we're getting to a point probably where they're going to be mortified of, of me. You're Elchan Schwartz's son, oh. Yeah. Quiet, they, they're gonna, you know, they still think it's nice. We're probably getting close to that age. You have a role, but I know lots of therapists, so we can we can oh, fix so we're them get up, there. straighten exactly. them out so if you, they need. You're a little bit of an anomaly in the film world, if I may say so. That, like I said, I knew you only tangentially as a, as a funny guy, funny person. We had a lot of friends in common. Your voice notes were were even before things were going viral in the film world. You were somehow always front row center in in, in, in chats, and people were always sharing things from you. Imitations, jokes, ideas, insights. And then I got to meet you, and, and there was so much there, which is true for all people probably when you sit with them, but you're actually a therapist. You're in the field of, of self-help, of working with people, of working through issues. You see, you see all kinds of things that aren't so funny. So I, w- I would love to know, let's, let's go back to that. How, how do you reconcile the laughter in your life and, and the other side of it? So um, uh, the, the therapy um, is... You know, you're right. You get to you get to see a different thing. Uh, there's a great line from one of the big uh, psychodynamic therapists. He says, "Psychodynamic therapist." Yeah, like uh, that, that that from that kvutsa uh, of people. You know, that, it's, it's a, a it's a theory, it's a theoretical orientation okay. for modality. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, so he says he wrote, wrote a book to like the the future therapists, and he talks about like the pros and cons of the job, and one of those things that he lists as a pro to the job, like what's the benefit of being a therapist, is that you get like a backstage pass to life. You get to see like behind the curtains, you know, when you walk around, you see everybody, everybody that's amazing, looks because one of the things, that's a good thing for making you uncomfortable, it, you nail it. Your, your ability to call things in the firm world as you see them, you're very astute. You say in just a few words, you're able to, to, to gauge a situation, usually able to find the funny element within it and, and say it in a sentence, which is essentially a backstage pass to firm life. I always thought, you know, I remember reading, um, I forgot reading, like, maybe like Dave Barry, and, and who was the guy who wrote the book, um, All I Need to Know, I lived, lived in kind- learned in kindergarten, I remember okay. that was like popular, they, those were two books that were floating around the BMG dorm when I was there, and, I, and what I noticed is, is that the difference between and, the, and anybody uh, who knows you, you spent a lot of years in, in dormitories in your life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a decade. Yeah, I really liked it there, it was, it was great for me, <laughs> and um, the difference between a, a comedian making observation and a, like uh, a philosopher or a psychologist, you just take it to the next step. The, the comedian just points out the, the discrepancy. He just points out the problem, the anomaly that something's bizarre here. And then he just kind of leaves it. But 
the therapist kind of says, okay, now what do we, like, what's Takab Shad in that? And like, you know, saps all the humor out of it and, and, and turns it into like a thing. But I always notice there's like a, it's not, it's just one step further. Do your patients appreciate humor when you're, someone's sitting with you and talking about something real that they're dealing with? I'm not so funny. And I, I mean, I try, you know, it's not, I'm not so funny in the room, I guess, as a therapist. I love the schmoozing of it. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're sitting down, you're talking to someone. Now you work both in private practice and you work at Bina. Right. So I do um, crisis counseling for Bina, which is Tell a, a that. nonprofit that helps people with traumatic brain injury and stroke. So I do kind of cross crisis counseling for for family members, for sometimes for the person themselves. Mm-hmm. That's kind. Of, that's my. That's what I do most of the time. And then I have a private practice in Brooklyn and Lakewood as well. Oh wow, very nice. I want to just mention something else that came up, but that's how we were all over here. You were an older single. The, the, yeah, sure. For, for, for a while, you were an older single. Yeah. Older singles is, is, is a common demographic in the, in, the, in the film community. There are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, that's the way, the, that's the nature of our community and its growth and right. the explosion that happens. Not, not everybody gets married at 18 and not every boy is, is 21 and it's his first girl. And a tragedy Just, it is, yes. And a tragedy it is. Yeah. And a boon to Haredi media, which has uh, endless... Of endless fodder, um, any, anything about Shabbat in general goes for weeks. Yeah. Now, now we have weeks worth of letters in the magazine. Somebody wrote an article about. Actually, I'm going to ask you about that because you're a therapist and you're an older single. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg in Florida wrote a cover story for us about six I weeks ago. The letters yeah. hadn't stopped, and he was saying that we're totally messed up in how we check people out for Shabbat You asked the same. This was his example. I love that he says, "Yeah, you have a kid who's in tenth grade, eleventh grade, a little, little jumpy." They have a strain of anxiety, OCD, ADHD, whatever it is, which is fairly common, very common. Um, and, and they deal with it. They go to the parents and they say, I feel like maybe I'm, I'm sadder than I need, jumpier than I need to be, more nervous than I need to be. They go, go, they go to a mental health professional and maybe using a prescription drug, they get it helped, and then they function beautifully. Then you have the guy who never, never went, never mentioned it. The parents said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just tired. You didn't eat supper well. Uh, who's a better candidate to marry your child off to? Obviously, the first child, because the first one is, is more functional. And you're going to ask the rabbi, they'll say, there is something. They went to a therapist, boom, you're running away from the shadach. He says, you're, you're an idiot. He didn't use that word. But he says, what are you doing? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I mean, own the problem, you know, if you ha- you know, as opposed to, yeah, I mean, but who's going to do a quote-unquote better shidduch, you know? So the second person might do a better shidduch. First person probably but have a better, first person will have a better marriage, you know? So what do you yeah. want? You want to do a better shidduch or you want to... Have a have, you know a better marriage. Do you look raise... at the situation of older singles today, and I assume you're still in touch with people who are, who are not married. And, yeah. And, and, okay. Yeah. And uh, um, do you feel like it's harder today or easier today than it was? What are you married? Got to married twelve years. Uh, it got to be harder. You got to figure it's harder. Everything's harder now. And what would be with your COVID message? and everything? You know? <laughs> what, <laughs> what with COVID? What? What would be your message to to older singles? To, what, what would be my message? message to all the singles? I don't know, hang in there, relax, you know, it'll happen. Deal with issues if you have them. Try, you, were and, try able and deal to, with you were famously, I don't know, I don't know what was going on inside your heart, but you, you made a big point out of being that guy who laughs his way through it. And, and there was a point in your life, I think in Toronto, where you, you were hanging out with kids who were 18 or 19 and working with them and you were 25, 26, whatever you were. Yeah. Um, it's not ideal. It's not in terms of your social interaction that a person needs to yeah. thrive. It's not ideal, but you made it work. Yeah, whatever. I didn't, I didn't have much of a choice, you okay. know. Like uh, like most people, did, you know, when people make things work, it's usually because they have to make them work. So, so you where, make did, them work. Where, where did that come from? Who who inspired you? Where did you get there? 
inspiration. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, my cousin, my uncle, the people that I was with in Toronto. You know, I was I had great friends and people. You know them, some of them, um, in uh, in Toronto, great people to work with. Rabbi Breidowitz, to work for Rabbi Breidowitz, all these people is, is great stuff. It's great stuff. Tell, tell me the story about Rabbi Breidowitz. You, you once told me a story why why you made him Masadak Kedushin at your wedding. I, I found that because oh, he fired me. You <laughs> love that story. Why do you bring it up every time we speak? It's uh, a great story. He told me I was single. I was in Toronto. I couldn't date a lot in Toronto. At the end of the day, I was I was I was doing good work there. But uh, you know, every time I wanted a date, most of the time I had to go back to to uh, to Brooklyn to to tri-state. Yeah, and you're bringing us back to an era where you could actually leave Canada and come back to Canada. Yes, different yes. time. So yeah. some, some of our viewers may That's not know over. that there was a time yeah. that you could go across the border, right? Yeah, so not any, not anymore. But in those days, you know, you could still travel. He said, like, it's not it's not conducive. And I didn't. I was I was too lazy there. I and you like teaching. So you said, I'm staying here and all day. Yeah, yeah you, know, I mean, you know, it kind of Peter. out. He's like, listen, he feels like, he says, I feel like I'm enabling you, you know. So, so that was that. And then uh, and I got, in, you I got engaged. Uh, of course. But I you was, picked up your bag. I disappointed. I was furious. You firing me because you yeah. want me to get married? What is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You too. You know, everybody else wants me to get married. You know, now you also. Um, but uh, I was engaged. Uh, you know, a year later. So I guess it worked. And you made him. And he was exactly. And he was exactly the way. way. I, I think it's a great story. Yeah. You, you understand why it's a great story? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's with all the singles. Back to you. So you're sitting in Vina. You do private practice. Private practice. Do you specialize yeah. in anything in your private practice? I do a lot of adjustment related stuff. Like uh, life, I do a lot of uh, do a lot of teenagers, but a lot of people that are dealing with difficult circumstances in life, I would say, or transitioning to different older singles, twenty-three-year-old to thirty-year-old guys that are kind of figuring out what to do next in life. Uh, divorce, has children a, has of divorce, illness, grief—you know, all those kind Adjusting of things. Adjusting to that new reality. Yeah, or you know, going through kind so of life. This past life year must have been very, very difficult. It was very interesting, um, and and a lot of anxiety in general, a lot of anxiety and uh, that kind of stuff. Also, anxiety, grief, you know, things like that. Past year was very interesting, um, and I think most therapists will tell you that from like April, March, twenty twenty, pretty much wiped out people's private practices, which was a fascinating phenomenon because no one would come in. Yeah, no one was coming in, and just. I don't know if it's just that no one was coming. Like no one, no one somehow needed mental help for a couple of months. Months there, everybody. I know that maybe the private organizations, or maybe the free, or maybe it was a money thing. Maybe it was. Um, maybe and, it was and they functioned. Apparently, I mean now it now it's booming. So, but how do you understand that? March, April, May, June. No, nobody came in, and they were okay. Everybody, or they weren't okay. They just couldn't get out. No, I think that you were you were kind of mandated to sit at home and you know and and just chill. So everybody sat at home and chilled. There was no. There was no conflict, really. You moved it, your practice to Zoom, or you you do it? I did, practice? but even then, it was it was not. From, the, I'm, from what I understand, for for those couple months when everybody was in quarantine and everybody assumed that everybody was losing their minds, people were doing okay. Surprisingly, maybe it, people were home. Maybe in the firm world. I don't it, think it, it was it, like that. In in the private practice of the firm world. I got, got you. Um, how do you understand that a therapist client relationship should work? on Zoom as effectively as in real life? Or that means, is that is that a question on you? The fact that you're able to do it on Zoom? Or 
really was a bit the average. It shouldn't have been that way. And you so I, ha- I have clients that I always saw on Zoom, and it's it's not bad. Really, it's not bad. I like ideally, even if you're going to meet someone on Zoom, let him come in, let you meet personally a couple times. It is surprisingly um, not. You would think, like I still think that, like oh, it shouldn't work as well on Zoom as it does on. I can't interview people on Zoom. There's just no flow. It doesn't work. I'm not able to connect. Somehow it seems to it seems to be okay. You're able to do that. It's not. I I would if I had a choice, I would prefer to do it in person. If we're talking about the last 12 months, if we're talking about the COVID era, yeah, made and speedily in in our days, the curve. You, you saw what, a lot. What COVID? <laughs> what COVID? I told, I'll tell you on my side. I spoke um, straight from Lakewood. I spoke Matzah Shabbos. Yeah. Shabbos by a shul thing. And I, one of the things I was saying was how the Rav kind of guided the Olam through, through COVID. I said for those who had COVID. I'm saying for those who was the thing. I remember years ago, I was learning in Fallsburg. And uh, everybody missed Shear on Friday. It was a, a big Olam missed Shear on Friday. And everybody Bell was not happy. And uh, Bell, is a Shear in South Fallsburg. Right, so he was not happy. So he came in on Monday... And he was giving share on Monday, and he said, like, a big yisayi. And um, he said, oh, a big yisayi. And he said, According to that, we can answer what we asked Friday. Right? So it's like, so I was saying, the Rav led the Olam to COVID for those for whom it was, for those who never had a problem. It was uh, I have a side question. I like saying that because it's one of the few things I could say over for him. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that you understood. That I understood. The best cutter you yeah. got the whole yeah. Yeah. Uh, You just imitated uh, uh, one of the Kedai Yeshiva in America, a tzaddik, a guy in a Kaddish, yeah. and you're able to do th- something that nobody else can do. Most people, if I was sitting across and somebody imitating Yeshiva, I'd be, I would look at him in horror. Uh-huh. And and you're, you're, you have this ability. Okay. Let me take a step back. There's a lot of people who are from comedians, quote-unquote, on social media, other places. That means they're inside the community. So if when you're inside, you're able to mock, right? Everybody knows that. Then you have license to be to be able to make the jokes about Kapara Shlagan and Shalchot or some stuff. And I find them not funny. That means this is just me. I have no data. This is completely informal based on a surely better instinct and reaction. It doesn't make me laugh. You're funny. And you're, you're from the few people who are, who are inside, and you're able to do it in a way maybe because you essentially respect the system and the people, um, and there's real reverence in, as you show in the other things you do in your day. And maybe you just know how to, first of all, do you disagree with me that there's not a lot of funny from professionals, people who are trying to be funny? I, I, I think I like funny people. I think there's funny you people out there. Some people yeah. are funny, make you have people send you things and you laugh? Yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm happy to let everybody do their thing. I have a friend, David Bashevkin, who wrote a book. I know, actually, I know him very well. Right, so, we were uh, in Toronto together for his mom, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, he came so to learn that. He's and, funny. And he yeah. believes it's an Avaida. That means he, he sources it in Chazal, the Avaida, and, and, and more power to him. I don't kill any joke, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Makar for my joke is a Medrash Rabba. <laughs> Not the Makar for the joke. The Makar for the idea of telling jokes, especially over the last year, uh-huh. uh, you know, as a source of comfort, as a source of chizok, as a source of whatever it is. So you know, he takes it. He takes it very seriously. He happens to be funny. He doesn't. Rav Hirsch very into it. Rav Hirsch seriously. Schreik. No, the uh, you know I think he says by Hamibli and Kfarim b'Mitzrayim when the Klai Sol told Meishar Ben Hamibli and Kfarim b'Mitzrayim he's like what, what are they saying? What, what are they saying? You, right. So, so, like, so it sounds Hirsch like a cynical thing to say. Like he said, they came over. They're like Meishar Hamibli and Kfarim b'Mitzrayim. Like 
like this Jewish sarcasm, the, you know, that got us through uh, 2,000 years. I believe it's a Hirsch. All pseudo from intellectuals dropped Rav Hirsch. That's why I'm, I'm wondering. But you're saying this is... This is, I, this, is what, this is what I heard. If I was really trying to drop Would names, you imitate Rabbi you Wachtaigl know? in front of Rabbi Wachtaigl? Not Rabbi Have you ever imitated... I wasn't, yeah, he doesn't have such great memories of me. Someone who was like, uh, you know... Who would you imitate in front of them? Or who have you imitated? You're, you're very good at it. Who have I imitated? One second, is there a Chachmat imitating or it's just instinct? Either you have it or you don't. Is there something I think it comes from like having a, a lot of listening to people just a lot. And then, you know, eventually, like I grew up with, um, my mother was a history teacher. So, um, so she was constantly preparing history class and listening to Barrel Wine. So by the time I was like 14, 15, I was like, you know, the uh, story of the Jewish people. In 1876, before the advent of uh, Eli Whitney and the cotton gin, you know, whatever. Just did you ever do it in front of Rabbi Ryan? He, he seems like he could handle it. Yeah, so, I, you know. Did you ever, you once told me a story about imitating Rabbi Levin. That's all about Rabbi Levin on the mic in camp, and he came and... No, he, I was imitating Rabbi Gifter on the Gifter, mic sorry, in camp. Sorry, could you and, tell us, and, tell us and, the story? And, uh, I was imitating Rabbi Gifter on the mic, and... Someone came running to the office. Saying, the gifter was already deceased. That was that was a year or two but before. What, what was the imitation? Share it. No, I can't, I don't want to. You're gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna get hate mail. No, you, you know? won't. Yeah, you won't. And it's a gifter. <laughs> uh, he was a tremendous orator. So he was, when you uh, imitate Adam Gadol, yeah, uh, it brings. I think the Talmudim connect. You're doing something for them. I think most. I think most people. Most. I would say 99 percent of people like they're like. I have a friend. His name is Ezi Watalski. He's a talented imitator, and he went to the shiva for Rabbi Trank, uh-huh. and he imitated Rabbi Trank to the kids, and they 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 loved it. They appreciated what yeah. he was doing because that was his way of reconstructing something. Yeah, was, there's always his... that one guy without a sense of humor, though. Right. You know, there's always like a totally. You, you grew totally up in Cleveland. Goes so over. You probably met one or two of them. Cleveland's Cleveland's actually pretty. Um, I find Cleveland's pretty laid back mm-hmm. on this kind of stuff. That's what I had thought. Could people from Cleveland are funny. I, I no. find that I find that a lot of my 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 Cleveland friends are very talented. Yeah, I didn't say talented. I said funny. Funny, yeah, funny, talented, whatnot. Not yeah. like you know, good at the stock market or anything like that. Or you know, they're good at uh, they're good at uh, you know, they're, they're, they're humorous, big sports fans usually, it's and uh, you do a lot of uh, housing rehabs. <laughs> you know, uh, that's. Uh, we should talk about that out of town. This is a, a thing we talk about a lot in the magazine and in real life. I live out of town as well. You're, you're a product out of town, but you live in Lakewood. Right. That means you made a decision that there's something about wholesome, about out of town, chinuch, raising a family, but you didn't do that with your own family. Yeah. Because? I, I don't know. Like, where am I going? You know? You where's, where's, my, where's my wife? Uh, where's my wife? My wife's from Brooklyn, first of all. So, like, there's a limit to, like, you know, when we got married, she thought that, uh, you know, Cleveland was... You know, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, you know, fly four hours every time I want to see my parents. You know, it wasn't just wasn't a wasn't a thing for her. Got she it. really, she really did, you know, grow up. And there's like, you know, in her map of the United States is, you know, is Brooklyn, Borough Park, Williamsburg, Muncie, and then on the and western seaboard is Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit. You know, like when you're a kid and you think that, you know, Eretz Yisrael looks like, you know, there's the Kaisel, and then, like, down the block is, is Brisk, <laughs> and then, you Kevin know, Russell. around the corner is, yeah, Kavarachal, and, and then the Uri's. And Uri's, and, right. and Adagula, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Got it. Okay, so take a step back, Rav Gifter. So you're imitating Rav Gifter on the mic, and somebody tells you. Yeah, oh, Rashiv is here, and, you know, and this and that, but he turned out he was laughing. 
He was laughing. Yeah. Because he appreciated that you were creating something. I don't know. I maybe just thought it was funny. I don't know why. I don't know why. Anybody else that you've imitated in front of them or their children, their family? I did. I once imitated Rav David Shussel in front of Shlomo Feivel. He thought it was good. What did you do? I, I just, I, I can't do Rav David now. But, but uh, I did Rav David in front of Shlomo Feivel. I did Rav David once on the Urathon. <laughs> and his kid thought it the next day in yeshiva thought it was his he father it was had called in. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Do a little Who of David? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Something. I don't know who watches this. Everybody. You know? Everybody. Yeah, so but I think it's safe to assume that David Shostel is not watching it. I don't mind Rav David. I, I find that the yeshivas are not. Um, I, I think it's important about to understand about the Lakewood, so called yeshivisha Lakewood crowd. You know, people have like this perception of them as being like very intense and you know, uh, you know, quick to make machos or whatever this and that. Only on certain things. On ninety-eight percent of things, they're very laid back. The more yeshivaship, they're laid back. Easy. It's like meisharim, same thing. Meisharim, right? A meisharim, a meisharim uh, yid is in ninety-eight percent of life completely laid back. you know. Um, the two percent that they really care about, yeah, you don't want to mess with that. But the uh, other ninety-eight percent, they're very light. It's, it's if the, as opposed to let's say you go a little more, you go away from the yeshivas, you go a little more, you know, uh, other orthodox orthodoxy where like everything is serious right. to a certain level. Right. Besides the two percent that the yeshivas are worried about, or maybe or something <laughs> they, like that. They really overlap. I got right, you. but but that, like everything is like. Hmm, let's let's go know. to you mentioned the orthodox. There, there yeah. are those who said you were, you were instrumental in creating that bread, not just the fivish, which you are fivish, right? The the voice of fivish, the voice of him, the yeah. persona of fivish. Um, you also were you mean, the early smog videos. There were those at the time who said, "I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask a whole question with two parts." Okay. okay. There were those who said I was in Kyle in those years, and people were very against it because they felt like it was introducing an element of visual entertainment to their kids. You know, till then, you go to from events, they would never say the word video. So it'd be at a pure case of so would say audio visual presentation. They wouldn't use the word video. Visual, there will yes. be an audio audio visual presentation of Shmita Farmers and Eretz Yisrael or whatever yeah. they were showing. No one thought it had videos in their houses. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older than you, and that, those years, there was, there was no such thing as kids being exposed to videos. It's just not a thing that we did in. in, in and then Uva came, and it was kosher. It was like a kosher visual entertainment. There wasn't a lot of options in that field, and, and it was funny, and everything, and, and even more dangerous, the parents laughed their heads off, too. So as a parent, I remember telling my kids, I'm going to watch it. They're like, yeah, really? And I would be standing at the door the whole time laughing my head off. That's one side of the argument. Like, you really opened the door that wasn't opened before. Not a great one. And then you look at the other argument. You look what happened over the last year, 12 months in particular, when parents had their kids home too much. And anything goes, just 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 sit quietly. I need to think. And anything was wide open. You say, Baruch Hashem, that there was at least alternatives within the world of film entertainment that, that my kids are not seeing worse things. Uh, I, I assume I speak for other parents because I've spoken to other parents about this. So I'm asking a two-part question. Blessing, a curse, both, all yours. I don't really know. Um, I think whenever you have like a Shiloh like as to like introducing something new in Klal Yisrael, you always have to be shaykel risk reward. I think it's been like that at any time something develops, you know. 
and uh, I'm privileged to work for an organization that um, they make those decisions. They've taken very seriously. And I assume that they spoke to the to the, the guy behind it. And I can't speak for them. You know, I like me personally. Like I certainly didn't feel like, oh no, I can't be a part of this. You know, like I, it was certainly seems fine that enough to me. This is my two percent. I hear the I hear the Shiloh, You know, you know, but I'm sure there's people above my pay grade that can make the good. But I think it's anytime you introduce something new that has a, a plus and a benefit, you know, and a downside. You have to have people that are going to, you know, calculate that risk-reward. Um, and, and they did it. I certainly, again, for, for me, for my kids, it's 100%. It's, it's tremendous. I think it's a great thing. Um, I'm sure there's someone, there can be someone out there. It was when we, we, we put the couch in the Atel. We were introducing, uh, you know, psychology to... to I, I hear. Okay, I hear this. Right. From you know. world and therapy, it's hard for me to believe that there are people who think not only is the, I think the firm world is forward thinking when it comes to mental health. We've been, we've been ahead of the game. That means I, I Mishpacha magazine every week, therapists, mental health professionals, uh, you see. Well, I mean, it's been out there since 19, you know, 20, but I'm saying. Yeah, but Mishpacha hasn't. That means we haven't spoken about these things. That, that people will tell you regularly in regular conversation, right. oh, I'm ADHD. Yeah, I'm treating it. In normal conversation at Charles Shodas, they wouldn't have done that 15 years ago. True, not true. Even no, there's been, a, there's been a, yeah, there's, certainly there's been a big change. Yeah, certainly there's a big change. I'm just saying, like, whenever you're, you introduce something that's going to have a, a broad impact, it's, uh, I guess it's, I remember when, they, remember when the Jewish Observer published their first, uh, the first, all of Hashalim published the article on kids at risk. Remember what a big tumble that was? Everybody wrote yeah, in that sure. just like, it was like finally like, oh my gosh, there's kids that are you're, going You're up pulling back the carpet. On, on right, the right, right. And uh, I'm assuming, and it was nice to have that in those days, that the people went through the Indian and they felt, and there is a risk that like, oh, oh my gosh, now that you're making it a thing, so more kids, you know, you're accepting kids for who they are, so there's a chance that more kids will, will, go, will go left, you know, because, uh, you know, they don't feel like they have to stay within the fold as much. I hit, it's a big child. Again, my personal opinion, you know, I, I don't really hear this Shiloh so much, but I, I hear the other side. I, I know what I would come down, but it's not my call to make. Other people you created make characters on the Shmurk, on the Urathan, that were devastatingly accurate to anybody who knows the from world. You made that up in, in your own brain. You made up that Rebbe with his earpiece. And uh, We did. There's a team at Ura. I don't like that I get all the credit for it. There's a lot of people, you know, that, you know, it takes a village to raise a five. An amazing story, Kindalach. Do you see how truly wonderful and exciting, tremendous and stupendous the Koyach of Chesed is? From this day, I'm going to eat it. It's Mamish Gewaldic, what they do. I saw that as email with my own eyes. A boy was hoping Kaiman is feeling it to and the Shabbos Gehit, with a Kishkegasen. And this same day, I was calling Ida. They should make a Kira of Lachoikam on him. Yeah, I gave him a donation. True story. I wouldn't baloney you. Hey, Jeff Miller checking in for the flight to Yerushalayim. I'm always going to Yerushalayim, man. I, like, I, I don't need to check in much, you know what I'm saying? Because like, I totally travel like really light. I just need to check in my guitar. Like, careful with it. It's really fragile. I mean, like it's emotionally, like it's just not ready. And by the way, Shlomo Karlbach, OBM, blessed it himself. And just 
there's just like 78 other ones in the world, so this is like really special. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to eat yet. I mean, what time zone are we in? On one side of the plane is a light and the other is chayshech. And, and, and how do I daven? My mashkiach told me that I should daven with a minion. My shishiva holds it's mamashachil. I remember when I was still in union of former Soviet Republicans, the great Leningrad Godel Rebbe Moishe, Olaf Hasholem, used to have teas and cakes for secret Torah class. So if KJB would coming, they would think we are having tea and cake party. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are involved. But a lot of the no, characters... No one ever said that. It takes what? a lot of trace of <laughs> You're coining something no, that's new Hillary, right Hillary Clinton's... Uh, Look, that's what yeah. she was going for, I think. Fivers. No, you but there's like a whole team. Like, do you think Hillary Clinton would get fivers? Do you think she friends funny? It doesn't strike me. There is something, by the way, that I didn't cop to like ten years later about having a bunch of Jewish kids running around with a five dollar bill. I'm saying that is just wildly um, inappropriate for it's someone who's a two. Into, yeah, into it's the, today's culture. Yeah, I think there was like one neo neo white website that once picked it up. Thank God it never became that the a five dollar bill. Is the celebrated? It's like mascot. they're like, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of <laughs> These Jewish guys kids are celebrating a tiger. These yeah. guys are celebrating a shark, and we're celebrating, we're celebrating a five dollar bill. bill that feeds like, into the yeah. Okay, that's today's culture, though. That, yeah, that, you know that we talk about these. We, I, we I never sensitive. like crossed my mind because we weren't raised to get so sensitive about right, everything. We right. didn't fly off the handle from right. every innuendo. Also, that was only as long as Trump was president. Everybody. No, was, this was before. This was before. Trump. No, I'm saying this thing. That oh, we that's get, hypersensitive. Like, right. Oh, that's really because it's a dog whistle. We used, we used to not be that way, and I, I hope we could continue to go back to the old way. It was a Trump thing that everything is a symbol of something else, and this was really. Could be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was funny that like we we kind of didn't hit that. Did you get any flack? You, you had you were imitating a Russian yid uh, with an accent. Yeah. Uh, again, devastatingly well. Did you get any any flack? Um, not uh, directed at me. You know, I'm sure Uri gets tons of hate mail, um, but uh, they're very careful. They're very selective about what they forward what, me. What I'm, they I'm assuming, Yeah. But you yeah. Didn't, do you? There's nothing you would do differently. You don't regret any of those characters impersonations. I, I I don't know. I have to you, look you at that. You covered again. the film world in a certain way, and you. I think I, I recognize all the people from my own life. People most I, I think most people have a sense of humor. I don't think I went when I add anybody like viciously. You know, I didn't like. If uh, you were creating new characters today, would you add anybody in twenty twenty one? It's interesting. We got to see how like the 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 dust settles on 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 twenty twenty. I'm sure there's like stuff waiting to come. I mean, it's, it's, it's like too soon. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but like. You could just do like the pro-COVIDs, the anti-COVIDs, the, the, you know, the pro-Trumpers, the anti-Trumpers, this, characters. You know, they, they, I'm just thinking now, like the guy who's like pro-Trump with the pickup truck and has like, you know, an AK-47 and an AR-15, you know, that new kind of guy, he's, he would be probably a good character. He would be good for yeah. Yeah, and then the the anti, <laughs> oh, then, the, you then, the, then the masking guy, right, the guy who's Mr. It's funny, I walked into a store the other day. I was in a restaurant. And I went to next door to buy a bottle of wine, as you can sometimes do. And I walked in. I, I was like, oh, I forgot my mask in the restaurant or in the car or whatever. And the guy's like, no mask. And I was wearing a coat that covered, and I zipped it up, and it basically went up to here. And he's like, I was like, okay, see? He's like, no, 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 you're not wearing a mask. I said, this is better. This is like a hazmat suit. There's no mask, no service. This and that, you know? So there's, there's something. Even though in real life, you, you're probably a little tend more to the pro masking side in general. You're, you, you, you weren't thrilled with the overall response within our community. How, I mean, how, how do you know that? Just based on <laughs> personal conversations. I, 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 I think it's, it was a very complicated situation. 
very complicated situation as it devolves. I was just, there was a whole report last night on like NBC News is covering the fact that um, basically they were like lining up the California numbers versus the Florida, Florida numbers and kind of looking at that and basically Florida did per capita better than California Florida. did. So <laughs> I think every firm guy saw that. Florida. So there's a bahala. There's not there's nothing there's nothing like that people, you know, no one really knows what the right thing to do is. I think in general, this is more like I see this a lot in, in therapy, and maybe this is the vort, I don't know, it's something to think about that people have a very hard time with nuance and being in the middle of something. People like to go either sometimes even when sometimes when people are dealing with, with catastrophic illness. Lahavdil, um, and the people are often will go either to like a, the, a place of like no, the person's going to do okay, and it's complete hope, and we're not. And then there's also the no, it's over, it's finished. It's very hard to be in the living in, in uncertainty and ambiguity. So people kind of tend to pull one way or the other. I think um, that's what you mean by adjustment, adapting to a new reality. Yeah, living in the middle. Thing. Yeah, living in the living in the middle, living with uncertainty and brain injury. In the recovery of brain injury, you're living with a lot of uncertainty for a long time and a lot of ambiguity. So it's a very kind of uh, it's a it's and, tough and to you, navigate. You help that. in your practice, or you know, give people the tools to learn how to, to learn how to be in the middle. There's a there's a comment. There's interesting. There's a whole idea in psychology called ambiguous loss, right? It's this idea is developed by a lady by the name of Pauline Boss um, that there are there are certain times when people have experienced a loss in their life, which is ambiguous, the Hainu, let's say sometimes there's, the person is, you know, is physically present, but emotionally not, like in a type of brain injury, the person's not really there, or they're the same way they were, or in dementias, in Alzheimer's or things like that. The person's physically here, there's no Shiva, you know, there's no, but they're not really here, the person's there, so it's very ambiguous. Uh, or sometimes missing persons, that's the, when I took her training, Pauline Boss, was right when, uh, the Malaysia Airlines flight was going on. So that was like another example where there's no closure. I don't loss. like the word. So I'm making So just kind of introducing people. Uh, I find that when I speak to some of the Bina families and we talk, just naming that word, this kind of music, they're like, oh, they get it as soon as I say it. Ambiguous loss, they hop right away that there's like kind of this ambiguity. And it's very hard because there's no real process. Someone, Rechamon Litzlan is Nifter, there's a Shiva. There's a shleishim. There's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you go, not to be too, you know, if you go, like, what's the first example of ambiguous loss in the history is, is Yaakov, and, Yaakov and Yasef. He, he was there, but he wasn't there. He's, it's, it's fascinating to kind of, you know, to kind of, uh, to kind of connect that. If you look at that story and the literature of ambiguous loss and to see how much it correlates, fascinating. Uh, to Yaakov and Yasef. Yeah. So... So you're saying in, the, in, in some strange way the from community itself dealt with this lack of a real clear grasp. Yeah, the, 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 you would think that there could have there could have been like a we little bit ready. more of you a know, middle ground. We weren't ready. You know, we talked about 2% and, and Rashi Yeshiva. Our 2% was probably the kids going to school, Taira, everybody, every right. Gadol, every Rav you mentioned earlier, the heroic job that the Rabbanim have done over the last 12 months. So I think Kihilas maybe out of town places right. more with centralized leadership did a great job in, in, right. in having clarity. So you're saying it came into our 2%. No, I, well, the there's a, no I think there's a difference between opening up yeshivas and opening up shuls and just right, doing it. whatever. But it wasn't clear. Like you're you saying, know. it wasn't. No, but why, you know, is, is there not a middle ground somewhere? You know, where between, between Montreal, between Montreal and the where third you, you, know, you have to stay in your study 
you know, uh, you know, or and just completely curfew. open. What? We have curfew. You have curfew. Eight right. o'clock at night, everybody's home. Right. The government lets you come out for a drink after that time. If you're a tatala, then you could come out. If you're good, then you're right back to bed. It's, it's, yeah. it's stressful. Maybe it really isn't possible to, like, as a matter of policy, like to, to, to maybe as a matter of policy, there's no nuance. You either have to choose. Nuance I find that in general. You, you, I, I think the viewer just saw in the half an hour that we saw together the way you jumped around from the world of, of Hirsch and Yaakov Yosef to imitating Rabbi Barrel of Wine to, to right. being able... You're all about nuance. That's that's really you're like traveling nuance. in a lot yeah, of like a lot of, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't require you like to take nuance. a firm position on anything. That's what I, you know. It's great. You can like you can pontificate one way or the other. I think there is a difference when when, when a policymaker is very hard to be nuanced as a policymaker. And, and the Rebbeim were essentially policymakers over yeah, also yeah, the last yes, month. Yes, yes, and politicians. It's, it's similar to like it's very hard like in the politics that it's so polarized nowadays. It's kind of very you're like well why can't you just well you, maybe you just can't do that. I don't know. You know, you. maybe it doesn't work. It's amazing. We're going to wrap it up. This was tremendous fun. Oh, yeah. It's like always happening. Could you imitate anybody, even me, or anybody you want, just once before we wrap this up and say I goodbye? I, you know, I, I wouldn't imitate Srilly Bessa in front of, uh, you know, um, I don't, who, who, who do you, you want to hear? I mean, there's every, we could do. Uh, I want a very talented videographer, Fanatic Kramer's father-in-law is Rabbi Krohn. I can't do Rabbi Krohn. Really? He would love it. I know he would. I know he would. And, and there's know, a guy out Rabbi there. Rabbi, Rabbi Fred, you know, oh, it's never too little. You know, I don't Rabbi know. Jacobson, Rabbi Jacobson. Nah, Jacobson. You, you got to go old. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like pre-2000. Like, Rabbi Victor Miller is the most contemporary voice. Now he is. Before, he wasn't so. Now he's very contemporary. Like, the him and, and Rabbi Gifter. Like, those, you know. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure me. sitting with you. Chazak Baruch.